Good morning and welcome to Thy Strong Word, the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I am your new host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. God bless you for tuning in to Worldwide KFUO. Whether you're listening over the air, streaming online, or through KFUO's app, or as a podcast, you're experiencing firsthand why our motto is Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Tuesday, August 9th, and our program is live, so feel free to call into the studio with comments or questions. That number is 1-800-730-2727. You can also email me your questions and comments, or maybe you just want to say hello at pastorboo at gmail.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R-B-O-O-E at gmail.com. Be sure to let me know where you're listening to us from. Thy Strong Word is supported by the good folks over at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Now listen, I want you to go and check them out by heading over to lhfmissions.org. They are doing great work for the kingdom. Now with a new host comes a new topic as this morning we begin to study the book of Romans. Today we'll cover chapter 1, the first 15 verses. Now this book, it's really a letter of course, the longest of the epistles from the apostle Paul to those Christians gathered by God in Rome. And Romans is a theologically rich, pastoral and and practical letter, perfect for us to digest as faithful Christians. As with most letters, this one begins with, well, who it's from and who it's to and what it's going to be about. Makes sense, right? And so that's what we're covering today. And to that end, I am blessed to have as my very first guest, a man who really needs no introduction to KFUO's regular listeners. He is a pastor, theologian, and also co-host of the program Wrestling with the Basics, which airs on Saturdays at 9 a.m., the Reverend John Lakomsky. Sir, it is an honor to have you as my inaugural guest. I, I tell you I, what, I tell uh, you what, uh, uh, Pastor uh, or Dr. Boo. Pastor, Boo, that, pastor that, is fine. That's probably the finest was ever given me. <laughs> oh, well, good. Well, I am excited <laughs> and, to have you as a and, guest. And you may change and that after change you get that to know me better. Know me better. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Uh, well, but, yeah, we're fellow but yeah, we're fellow Minnesotans right, Minnesotans right, now, right now, I see. Well, we are. You know, I have only been back in Minnesota for a little less than two years. My very my very first call uh, back in 2010 was to Purim, Minnesota, up north. I was there for about four years. I did a seven-year stint in Connecticut before returning back to Minnesota here. Now I'm in the southwest corner and honestly, brother, I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving it. So so yeah, so, so you've been here for the winters and you're still saying okay. that. Okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, not, well, that we're not that we're far away. We're in Northfield, Minnesota right now. But we do we do head out as soon as it starts to get cold up here. Well, I have to go back to the St. Louis area. Well, I'm originally from North Carolina. And so growing up, I'm in the mountains and I'm used to about three inches of snow for about three days a year, uh, give or take. And so my first call up in uh, Minnesota was uh, up in Minnesota was we had like 
you know, 50 inches of snow a year. And it was crazy. But down here in the southwestern corner, we actually have a lot less. It's a lot more reasonable. Well, I, I well, went to college, I, I went to college in St. Paul, Minnesota, and so, yeah, I was exposed to that. That, that was like, to say, 50 inches. no big deal. Negative 30, again, that's just what winter is like. But you're right. The further south you get, it does get a little better. Yeah, it's just kind of normal. You get you get used to it after a while. Well, brother, for you know, I know that people know you. But because I'm new to KFUO, tell me just a little bit about yourself and what your ministry looks like right now. Well, I'm going I'm well, I'm to send, send out a request. I'm getting an I'm echo, I'm getting an so, echo. I don't know so I don't what know what the engineer is doing, if that can be resolved. We are working on it, yep. Just that's, yep. Yep. Um, so so um, yeah, so, 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 yeah, so I'm a, I'm a retired I'm guy. Spent my whole, spent my uh, whole ministry, uh, ministry in a little town called New Athens and and Darmstadt, Illinois, Jewel Parish. And I'm now retired and have the freedom of being down there, and also have the joy of being up here in Minnesota. So so that's that's my that's that's my situation. Well, that's that's great. That's great. Did you serve in Minnesota, or are you just sort of back here? No, we do. No, uh, we, we do. Have, oh, thank, uh, we have. Oh, well, thanks to the echoes to there. The echoes uh, to there. Uh, <laughs> we have family. We up have here, family up here, and we have family. And we have family down, down uh, 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 around New Athens. And so we kind of. And so we kind of spend six months down there, six, down there, six months up here, uh, spending all of our time, uh, with, our all of our time with our children and grandchildren. Oh, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. So today, as uh, they work on that echo for us, <laughs> today we are beginning the. Epistle of Romans. And so uh, the uh, reason I chose no, Romans, I of course. So. I don't think so. You, you don't think. We're, we're beginning Romans today, chapter one. And that is, I chose Romans because it is an absolute um, rich, theologically rich, of course, for Christian doctrine, but it's also very important for the Lutheran doctrine for our, our expression, our recovery of the gospel. And so um, hopefully we can dig into that today. Um, are you ready for me to, to begin? If so, I'd love for you to begin us with a, with a prayer. Well, I uh, will well, do uh, that. I'll, I'll start, do that. With, a prayer. I'll start uh, with a prayer. But you're, you're also uh, going to find that I'm, I'm kind of hard to work with. Pastor Boo. Because what I'd like to do is like start, start actually with verses 16 and 17 and, 17 and then go back to verse 1 if that's all right with you. We can absolutely do that, and I know exactly why you want to do that, and that'll be great. But yeah, let's go ahead and begin with prayer, and then we'll we'll jump into 16 and 17 just to get things started. Oh Lord, so you, oh Lord, you so have you, a new man. You have a new that man you've called, that you've called, that you've appointed, that you've, that you've appointed, set apart. That you've set, set apart. Talk about the apostle, talk about the apostle Paul. And we certainly do pray your blessing upon uh, Pastor Boo and the work he'll be doing there with KFU. And in fact, the, the irony is, you're going to give him the same assignment that Paul had, and that is to to pray, proclaim gospel and bring faith to people. So we pray that you will, because it's all up to you. It's all up to your work and power through Jesus. I said you will use this show as a blessing to people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, as requested, brother, we're going to begin with this key theme verse of Paul's from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Do you want to go ahead and get us started with those verses, or would you like to read yeah, the uh, first yeah. half of? Well, no. So, so I just, just so, so everyone understands that everything you're going to be doing in the next few days, it, it's all about faith. Uh, and so, if in the discussion you begin to drift off to some other thing, well, then you've you've missed the point because there's not a thing that's written here in Romans that doesn't have to do with faith. From faith for faith, he says, the righteous shall live by faith. It's all about faith. Even when even when Paul's going to talk about our good works, so it's still going to have to do with with faith. Uh, and of course, he relates that faith to the gospel, which is the power, because there, there will be nothing going on that will be good and beneficial uh, for us or for anyone else, except, again, by this good news that we're going to talk about in detail in just a moment. So just I, that's where we need to start. And, and, and so right away, then, when we read the first verses, you have to understand that everything Paul's telling us now about himself has to do with the fact that God wants you and me and all of our listeners to have faith. Okay, so now, yeah, now I'm ready yeah, to go I'm back ready. to the, the first verse. I really appreciate you bringing that up because the point of uh, starting with Romans is because it's so uh, – it's different than Paul's other letters in the sense that he really lays out systematically just what you're talking about. And even in this greeting, you know, which kind of departs from the way he opens up other letters, we see that he's going to make a very significant declaration about what it is to be a faithful person. So here we go. We're just going to read the first half of our section today, so just through verse 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Two, all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead and get started there. We will uh, begin right at the very beginning. Paul's introducing himself. So, so the first thing we, we need to make note of is, is the uh, ESV translation, Paul, a servant. Uh, and the ESV does this repeatedly. Uh, that that's, that's too weak. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it's not the word for, for service, diaconate. Uh, it, it is doulas. It's the word for slavery. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and that's going to be really important because Paul's going to speak about faith in a way that sounds like it's something we have a choice in. Okay. Uh, but, but, Paul once sort of said, that's not how faith works, <laughs> okay? It's not like you get to choose this thing. It's not like Paul got to choose to be an apostle. In fact, uh, you and I both know the history of Paul. He, he was heading somewhere entirely different than being an apostle for the Lord Jesus Christ. His intent was to be the persecutor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, so I think that's really important to realize. He's saying, I'm a slave. 
and we'll see that language over and over again, what, what we, uh, uh, Pastor Boo, it's not like he has a choice in this. He uses the words like obedience and I have an obligation because uh, he wants us to understand, no, this is what he has to do because he's been called by Jesus Christ. Um, and, and that word called there, called, that, see, that's, uh, it, it's one of those words that you can't really get a lot of help from, from the Greek usage of the word because the word means to invite. Okay, uh, but again, do you invite a slave? Do you, <laughs> Pastor Boo? I, I no, slaves don't usually get invited. Can I you just a few passages where that word "called" is used to kind of give you a sense of, of what that word means? I just want to say, though, you know, the idea yeah, go, of yeah, calling and vocation, just as you're bringing up, is really important because, as I've said and as I've heard said, no one really volunteers to be a Christian. And you don't volunteer to be an apostle, for sure, from Paul's perspective. Um, and you don't volunteer to be a doulos. You don't volunteer to be a slave. So you're right. He's setting this, he's setting his position up as he often has to do, right? He often has to, at the beginning of his letters, defend his apostleship. And it seems that that right here in Romans, it's a bit different than others. Like, for instance, in First and Second Corinthians, he says, you know, Paul, an apostle through the will of God. In Ephesians, he says the same thing. Colossians, Second Timothy, he says, apostle through the will of God, establishing that it was God's will that he be an apostle. He's not just, you know, calling himself an apostle. In First Timothy, he says, you know, apostle by the command of God. Uh, in Thessalonians, first and second, uh, in Philemon, he doesn't really say any of those things. But here in Romans, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, and he says something unique, set apart, made holy, right, for the gospel of God. So while we have sort of this law language that, you know, we're, of course, it's gospel if you're the one being called, but, you know, we're called, we don't get to choose Christ because the natural man can't choose the things of God. But when we're called, we're called for this great, amazing purpose. That's just what came to my mind. Yeah, so so that's the two things, and I really appreciate what you said about the fact that this isn't just Paul. This is you and me, and everybody that's listening to us. Um, and and I love the word you use, vocation, there, because that that's more. You know, it's not just that we were given an invitation. It's a thing that's going to change our whole lives. Okay, we now have a different position amongst the people around us, and 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 uh, before God. Um, and, and, and you're right. See, that's the other thing, too. We, we hear the word doulas, we hear the word slave, and it does seem so negative, and, and, and it seems like it's law stuff. But when you realize what you're being called to, but well, okay, so, so here's the verses. It's the word that's used in that, that parable from Matthew chapter 20, where, where the men have been out working all day, and, and the, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first, okay? Um, now, I wouldn't call that an invitation. Uh, you know, when, when, when the boss says, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you your I'm paycheck. Gonna... <laughs> you know, I, I don't, no, I want to do no, that. Wanna... Get, sure, give me the paycheck. What do you think I've been working for all this time? Uh, and so you get that sense. So this is a good thing. This is a good thing to be called. And, and you got the same language then later in Matthew when the servants call those invited to the wedding feast. Now, of course, that's a really sad thing, and that 
that uh, parable because they don't come. And this isn't just any ordinary wedding feast. This is going to be their, their life and their future in this wedding feast. Uh, but again, yeah, who wouldn't want to come to a wedding? Well, obviously these people don't, which puzzles us. But but no, I think I want to be part of that feast, uh, be enjoying all the good food and drink that's there and being with uh, the, the, the Lord and Master who's called me uh, in his marriage. And, and I guess one final passage is to show you how powerful this word is, it's the word that's used of Jesus Christ himself uh, from the first, uh, second chapter, rather, Matthew. Uh, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. So whatever God's doing to Paul and you and me, it's the exact same thing he, he did with his own Jesus. And that's got to be quite an honor to be uh, using the same term that he used of his son Christ is now used of, of you and me. Oh, absolutely. Any way that we can be connected to Christ is certainly uh, something for us to celebrate. That's for sure. And, and if we could and, wrap and it up there with Second Thessalonians, it says, to this he called you through our gospel again. We need to talk about that. That's how the call comes through the gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So yeah, I, I, I like what you said before. This is, it sounds like a law thing, but but man, when you realize what you're going to get, <laughs> no, there's no law involved in this at all. It's just, well, we'll see later. It's also for the love that God has for us. Yeah, it sounds like a law thing, especially to those who don't recognize the blessings and benefits. So, you know, if you talk to someone who is uh, non-Christian, and when you talk to them about what it means to be a Christian, oftentimes what they hear are things that you can't do, right? You can't give in to all of the sinful inclinations that you have. You you can't give in to uh, uh, all of the all of the the desires of your heart. You must do things for others in terms of taking care of them. Uh, God wants you to worship Him. He wants you to listen to His word. But they hear those things and they just hear law, 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 law. Um, and of course, you know, those things are law, but they're laws that are good. They're sanctified in our hearts because when we have faith, we see God's law not, of course, as a burden, but as a blessing. We are set apart for the gospel of God. And that's what Paul's saying about himself here. And, and so there's two problems. Uh, the first problem is is that people don't realize they're sinners. So they think they're doing pretty good already. Life's all right. I'm fine. Thank you, God, but I don't need the invitation, which was obviously the attitude of the people that were invited to the wedding feast. I've got more important things to do. I've got cattle to take care of. I've got a new wife, whatever their excuse was. Um, so that's why there has to be law. And, and, and boy, I tell you what, uh, Pastor Boo, you, you're going to have some really powerful law in the next few chapters. Uh, but Paul will make uh, clear that, that the reason is that is so we can become conscious of sin, because uh, it's only when we realize what we really deserve from God that we'll realize how great the gospel is, that God's not going to give us what we deserve but he's going to give us forgiveness and grace and mercy and eternal life and all those other things that we could never have apart from Christ. But I would also say, I think the second problem is, Pastor Boo, we're not always good as Christians preaching the gospel either. I, I think we, we kind of feel like, well, you know, if we just tell people they're saved by faith, which is what we started with. Isn't that what Paul said? It's all about faith, nothing more, just faith. I, I think there's a fear that, well, if we tell people that, then they won't do anything that's good. 
So I guess we better give them some law too and tell them about what's right and what's wrong. Uh, when, of course, as you just alluded, no, that's not how it works at all. When, when people have faith, then they do good stuff and, and they don't do it because they're thinking they'll get a reward for it and they're not doing it because they're afraid they're going to get punished for it. They're just doing it because, well, by golly, it's a good thing to do. And God loves me, and why wouldn't I love my neighbor? See? So. That's right. Our good works certainly flow from our faith, right? We don't do good works so that we can get a, you know, so God's sitting up there looking looking down upon us, and he goes, oh, you know, oh, John Lekomsky, he's done a good thing for his neighbor. I'm going to throw him a bone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a little, you know, I'm going to give him a little blessing so that he can uh, be encouraged in his faith. I mean, God certainly blesses us. But no, we do our good works because our neighbor needs them. They certainly do please God, but they please God because we're being instruments of him, right? Even even non-believers do good works. We talk about that all the time. There's this idea that, you know, can only Christians do good works? Well, no. The difference between the good works of the Christian and the good works of the non-Christian is that Jesus Christ forgives even our good works. You know, they're sanctified in him. So we are we are blessed for people like St. Paul, who gives us these great letters, gives the church, inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course, so that we can understand what it is that God's calling us to do, what we're going to be servants slash slaves of also. So he says here, oh, go ahead, pardon me. I was going to say, but but the frightening thing is to realize that those good works that are done by the unbelievers, they precisely do not please God. That's what it says, apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. And, and I don't say that to uh, point the finger at unbelievers, but to remind ourselves as Christians that our righteousness is like filthy rags, Isaiah says. So, so we see that's the thing. That's the tension. Even we don't want to think of our good works as being good in the sense that they're going to gain us something, earn us something. Like you said, God now owes us, throws us a bone. No, 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 no. That's not. We have everything we need from God, and He does it as we heard from the Sunday's Gospel because it's His good pleasure. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. That's why you got it. And, and then again, that, that's the great thing. Then you realize, oh, I can actually afford to do some good things here because I've got everything I need here and eternally. Excellent. Love that. So he promised beforehand, that is that gospel, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his don, his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, was declared to be the son of God. Well, you got to love, of course, Paul's run on sentences here. But we see here him establishing the fact that not only is his apostleship for the purposes of the gospel, but the gospel itself, Jesus Christ himself, is not something new but is something that was established in the Holy Scriptures. So tell us a little bit, explain why Paul might be wanting to appeal to the Holy Scriptures, which of course in this instance does not include the New Testament as it does, it's just the Old Testament. Is there something about the people in Rome that he's going to want to make sure that he appeals to Holy Scripture? Well, well, actually, let, let's, let's take just— uh, one step back and, and go back to the title he gives himself, Apostle, um, because you have to realize that is an incredibly powerful statement to make, to call yourself an apostle, uh, because the sense of the Greek word there is someone who has been given absolute authority. Uh, I think a, a modern equivalent would be to give someone your power of attorney. 
and 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 if you give someone your power of attorney, you're literally saying that they can do anything they want with your possessions, right? If they want to sell off all your property, they can do that because they have the power of attorney. Uh, in fact, in, in the days of, of Jesus, if someone had your apostleship, your power of attorney, they could even determine who you were going to marry. They could pick out your future spouse. That's how powerful the thing is. But but I, I think what Paul's doing here, he's saying, okay, I am an apostle, so understand that. And, and we who are reading this letter, and I need to understand that this is not the opinion of a guy named Paul. This is the word of Jesus Christ given to us through him who has been given this authority. So his word is indeed holy scripture, okay? And yet at the same time, Paul doesn't want us to trust in him. Paul doesn't want us to put our faith in him. So you're right, he begins to delineate all these things that we should put our faith in. Uh, uh, Holy scripture, number one, number one. Uh, Jesus Christ, of course. Well, actually, maybe Jesus is number one, because every word that is in the scripture is the word of Jesus Christ. So maybe we got that out out of order there. Uh, and, and of course, you got the whole thing about about Jesus being the true Son of God and Jesus being the true Son of Man, uh, and we've got the resurrection of the dead. Now, now I, I'm assuming you're you're alluding to the fact that there were there were lots of Jews there in Rome, and that's why he wanted to say, "Look, I, I'm not coming up with some new Gentile teaching here, although I'm going after the Gentiles, <laughs> you know, because because that's been the pattern. You you have not listened to me in other communities. I, I always go to the synagogue first. Because you were the ones, you were the first ones called. Uh, but when I'm rejected, then I also point out that everyone, which is great for us listening right now, to know that everyone who's hearing you and me right, it's the same thing at this very moment. That call of Jesus Christ is going out through the Apostle Paul, through you and through me, to every one of our listeners. Now, were you driving at something else in terms of why he might be one of emphasizing the scriptures there as he writes to the Romans? No, naturally, brother, you hit the nail on the head, right? Because we have a population of Jews in Rome in this area. And, you know, like I said earlier, Paul is always trying to defend his apostleship, but being sort of known as the the Jew of Jews, the Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, Paul is also concerned for making sure that people understand that this message of the gospel is not something that is a Gentile invention, even to those who may be concerned, right, that the Gentiles are being included into the promise. We're going to see later the the separation between the circumcision folks and the uncircumcision folks. And Paul certainly has something to say about you know the equality of both Jews and Gentiles in the eyes of God. But right, that's what I was getting at. He's wanting to make this point that there is still not only uh, inclusion of the Jews, but the Gentiles also, that this is founded in Holy Scriptures. It's rooted in Jesus Christ, who is descended from David. And I love it. Uh, And this is something that I think we Lutherans should underline in our Bibles. But in verse 5, it says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about what? To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So there is an obedience of faith. There is this idea that our faith produces good works, produces evangelism, produces all kinds of wonderful things. And as um, you know, someone who didn't grow up in the Lutheran faith, and I came later on, I got to tell you, you know, there was this huge emphasis on not being saved by, you know, we're not saved by our works, we're saved by faith. And of course, that's true. 
but we've somehow forgotten this reality that we're saved for the purposes of doing good works. And Paul makes that extremely clear in the opening of his letter. The thing about obedience, and there's a couple of interesting things about obedience, is actually it's just kind of an intense form of the word to hear. Uh, it's based on uh, on a kuo for anyone who cares, <laughs> which is the word to hear. Uh, and, and see, that that's the sense. Uh, um, so there can't be any faith until someone comes and preaches us the gospel. That's that's the point Paul is making here. Faith comes faith by hearing, comes. and hearing by the preaching of Christ. So so I'm I'm here to tell you, and 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 I hope everyone who's listening to you and me right now understands that the same thing is going on right now. The Apostle Paul, Jesus Christ, through him, is calling on everyone right now. Because <laughs> if you don't get called on, you cannot have faith. But you can't say that anymore, dear listener, because you're being called this very, very moment through the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Scriptures, okay? Uh, and you're right. What we're being called to is faith. But the danger is, again, we want to make that into a choice, as if it's a decision. And while it is true, you can say, no, I don't want to go to the wedding, <laughs> All right. That that's a scary thing. But yeah, you can just say, Well, I, I don't want that invitation. But but if you you can't accept that invitation either, can you, Pastor Bowie? Because that would be ridiculous. I, how how would I enjoy the feast if someone didn't invite me to come? That's not like I prepared the feast, like I did the work. Uh, which I think is why he uses the word obedience here, because there's always that tension that we might think that faith is a choice we make. But but it really isn't. It, it isn't. Uh, the, the forgiveness, the grace, it's just entirely given, and, and in such a way, as you pointed out, that it's going to change us. No, that your life will be different today when you know that God loves and forgives you. It just has to be changed. Um, but But... That's why he uses the term obedience and faith to remind us that uh, God isn't asking. He's He's God. He's in absolute control. Um, and, and that's what faith is. It's what he has determined he wants to give us. And uh, like you said, it's going to make everything different now. You can no longer look at your neighbor in the same way that you looked at him before. Before. Well, that is where he ends sort of this introduction to this letter, right before he says who's the letter to, and that is to those in Rome who are loved by God. I think that's a good place to take a pause as we uh, come back uh, in just a few moments from our break. I'll be with my guest, the Reverend John Lukonsky, right after this brief word. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Thy strong word. 
I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo, and I'm chatting with Pastor John Lakomsky, co-host of KFUO's Wrestling with the Basics. So far, we've been exploring Romans chapter 1 together, and we've gotten to the end of Paul's introduction with verse 7, and now we're going to pick up and finish the rest of this first half of this chapter with verses 8 through 15. So I'm just going to read verses 8 through 15. Right, or would you like to add something before we move on? Well, yeah, before we go on, I just I want to echo those final verses that we just read, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So so everyone, please understand what, what uh, uh, Pastor Boo and I are sharing with you. These are words spoken to you, all right? We're talking to you. And, and, and I really love the fact, why? Why are we saying these things to all those in Rome and New Athens and Northfield and 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 Minnesota and say, wherever wherever you're listening to us, you're loved by God and called to be saints. That's what this is all about. Because because the law language does kind of scare us a little bit. Like, oh my God, what is he going to do now that I'm his slave? What's he going? No, 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 no. You got to understand everything that he's doing here is because he loves us. Okay, I, I'm ready now. Sorry, Mark. Excellent. Sorry. Let's go. All right. So we are going to start with verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And there we go. We've gotten through what we're going to be studying today. So back to verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So these Romans are somehow well known or at least have been heard throughout Christendom. And and And... So it goes back to what you talked about before, Pastor Boo, about the fact that that where there's faith, there, there's going to be fruit. There's going to be results of that. But but can't you hear in his language here that, that it's not the language of, of requirement? It's not the language of, well, I guess I've got to do this. In fact, we're going to see this through all of these verses. It's the language of of doing what, what Paul really wants to do. You know, he's really excited about the people in Rome. He's excited about the faith that doesn't rest in them, but has been given them by God, and a faith that is then well-known throughout all the world. And he's thanking God through Jesus Christ for all of you. And I'm thinking maybe that's a good lesson for us to learn, because unfortunately, for me at least, a lot of times when I go about doing the good works I have to do, it's like, well, okay, I know I have to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. And I suppose at that point I should be saying, oh, oh Lord, please forgive me, because <laughs> now I haven't done anything good at all. Everything I'm doing here, even my thoughts are, are all sinful. Uh, and then when, when you remember that, oh, yeah, God loves me. God knows I'm a sinner. God forgives me that. Then maybe we can go about doing these things with the kind of thankfulness to God that Paul has here in verse 8. Absolutely. 
Right. Because we see here that, you know, everything that he's he's talking about is to point toward the evidence of faith in the hearts of these people. In verse 9, he says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Uh, and then he's looking forward to heading to Rome. So he's hearing about all of these great fruits of faith that are happening and Paul, I think, wants to be a part of that. You know, he wants he's 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 planted churches. He's spread the gospel. Of course, Rome is one of those places where he wants to come because he just knows that the that the gospel of God is is active among the people, and he wants to be a part of that. I think there's some mutual encouragement. Of course, he says that flat out in verse twelve. But there's some mutual encouragement that he wants to receive. He wants to be where those Holy Spirit is is really moving. I think that is for his sake as well as for theirs. That we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. And, and I'm thinking about why you go to church. All right. right. Uh, and unfortunately, and, and I will number myself amongst this, although, see, you're still amongst the ranks of people who get paid to go to church, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so that was always a good gig. You know, I could go to church and I get paid for it. Maybe if we paid everybody, <laughs> our, our attendance. Well, I always, I always tell folks, I say, listen, I'm encouraging you to come to church, but to be fair, they pay me to come, right? So <laughs> <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. It's hardly a fair comparison, isn't it? That's but, right. But, but can you see the point here? You don't go to church because you have to go to church. Of course, the one reason you go to church is because you want to hear that gospel. You want to hear again that God loves you. That That's why I'm going to church, because there's a lot of stuff that happened this last week that might make me wonder whether God loves me or not. And so I want to be reminded of that, that in my crosses and in my trials, no, no, there's still a God who's called me, a God who's, who's chosen me, a God who loves me. But see, that's the other thing here. You go to church because that's a good thing to do for the people that are around you in church. Right. Um, if you've ever gone to a church service and there's just a handful of people there, I, I know we shouldn't feel bad about it, but but we do. It just seems kind of depressing to be there, just a few, few people. Uh, so, so I always encourage people, that's why you should come to church. You want to love somebody, come to church, because that's a really great way to love pastors, first of all. Because don't you love it <laughs> when, when you got a lot of people there in church? You know, there's there's energy, right? There's energy when when you are preaching to a crowd of six folks or preaching to a crowd of a uh, hundred and fifty folks or three hundred folks. Of course, the Lord is still active in both places, right? His word is still active. The means of grace are still there, but there is this energy. God purposefully wants us to gather in community for our for our own benefit, and so. We are mutually encouraged. You know, we we joked a little bit about getting paid, but isn't the aren't the gifts that God gives us through the means of grace? It's so much more valuable than than even a monetary payment. And so, sort of the joke is, um, don't let them know that we would probably do this for free. <laughs> you know, we have to take care of <laughs> we have to take care of our families, of course, and a worker's worth his wages. But the truth is, no pastor does it to get rich. No pastor does it because of that. Because they he, they do it because they're called. He does it because he wants to be mutually encouraged. You know, pastors. Just so people know out there, and I think Pastor Lakomsky can back me up. You know. We also are up there worshiping, 
And when, you know, before or after church, we sometimes get inundated with folks who want to, you know, tell us this or that or make corrections in the bulletin or whatever the issue may be. And there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, that's the time to do it. But at the same time, this is our opportunity to receive God's gifts, too. Uh, someone, when I was talking to them about Winkles, you know, these are pastor conferences where circuits of pastors will get together once a month and they'll be mutually encouraged by one another. Sometimes they'll have a devotion or worship service. And someone once asked me, they said, oh, so is that when you worship? And the answer is, well, yeah, I worship them, but worshiping isn't just also about sitting in the pews, but it's about being there up front or in the pews, receiving God's gifts. And so I am encouraged as a pastor to see St. Paul saying, I need that mutual encouragement too. Yeah, I'm an apostle, but that doesn't make me immune to the struggles of faith or the struggles of life that that any other Christian might face. Well, think, think about that. Isn't that incredible that the apostle Paul now who is the direct channel for the Holy Spirit, whose very words are Scripture themselves, who has actually been taught by Jesus Christ personally. I, I guess we should have mentioned that earlier when we, <laughs> we had the word apostle, because there's two things you have to be, to be apostle. You have to be personally taught by Jesus, and you have to be a witness to the resurrected Christ. Okay, So I'm thinking, you can't get much better than what Paul has, and yet he is going to be encouraged by the faith of the Romans. Wow. Isn't that... Wow. See, we don't understand the power of the faith that God has put in us, that we could actually be a source of encouragement to the pastor, to, to the Apostle Paul. Uh, um, and, and you're absolutely right. I, I am retired now. I, I don't need to get paid. Uh, and if, if I'm just glad when people say, hey, can you come and preach? Oh, yeah, I'd love to do that. You're right. Uh, I, I do still take the checks. <laughs> well, of course. But, but, well, you know, but if they did, they I, I, that'd be OK. Well, they say when pastors retire, they actually get to do the things they went to seminary to do. And that is to preach and teach <laughs> without all the administration. <laughs> but it's it is a kalu ergu. It's a noble task. It's a labor of love. But, you know, what's really emphasized by Paul here. And of course, he has pastoral epistles where he deals especially with the, the functions of a pastor. But here, he yeah, he's really putting the focus on the Holy Spirit working through this faith community. And then he says, and he wants them to be really sure, like in verse 13, I don't want you to be unaware. I have intended to come to you, but I just, you know, he's, he's kind of making an excuse, but he's just saying, listen, I, I really do want to come to you. It's not that I'm avoiding you. Things have been, and he really undersells it here, but thus far have been prevented. If we know anything about the struggles that Paul faced, we know that that's definitely underselling the struggles that he's facing. And, and see, it does point out there's a problem. At the same time, he's praising the Romans for their faith that is known throughout the world. There are those that are saying, well, you know what, that Apostle Paul, he's all about how much he loves us and I wants to see us, but I don't see him showing up, right? He's not here. Uh, and, and so there are those in Rome that oppose Paul, that criticize Paul, as you alluded to earlier, uh, Pastor Boo, that, that say, well, I don't even know if he's really an apostle. Should we even be listening to him? Um, and, and, and isn't this wonderful, though, how Paul responds to this? Because 
myself, I would I would get defensive right away, and I would start criticizing and and being crabby and angry, and and Paul simply says, no, no, I I, I hear all kinds of good things about you, and honestly, I really I really do I really do want to be there. He just shows his love and his concern for the people in Rome, and again, I think that's a good lesson for us because when people criticize us, we are so often. Uh, to, ready to get defensive and ready to go on the attack. And and you got to remember, we are the called people. No one who attacks us is going to prevent God from using us in the way he wants to use us, okay? And, and that may involve us having crosses and trials, as certainly the Apostle Paul did. I'm not denying that. I'm not saying that, oh, everything's going to be fine for us who have been called by God. No. Christ says, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Um, But you don't have to worry about how it's going to work out because we are the ones called by God. (laughs) We are the ones chosen by him. And and so, no, we'll we'll get done what needs to be done uh, and and let people criticize us for not getting it done. We just need to ask ourselves, is, is our heart really where it needs to be? Uh, is, is the Holy Spirit working in us the proper love and desire that we should have? And probably we'll say, well, maybe not as much as I'd like to think. So please forgive me and now give me the love that I need. Mm. That's true. You know, and just stepping back a moment, I was thinking of another way in which Paul is supporting them, another way which doesn't include him physically visiting, but it's but it's also his response to the encouragement that he receives just from the rumor of all the great things that they're doing or the strong faith that they have. And that's a little bit back in verse 9, and it just made me think about it as you were explaining that because he says, you know, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. But then here's the key part, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers. Now he does say that he asks that somehow by God's will I may at last succeed in coming to you, But certainly that's not the entire content of his prayers. Here Paul is serving these people even in abstentia by praying for them, by being in prayer. And again, I can't help but connect this to our own situations as pastors and people. Pastors are in constant prayer for their people. And I've heard as a pastor so often or gotten cards in the mail. In fact, I just got a card the other day. It's no occasion. And it just says, we were praying for you, thanking God because, and and I've only been here for a couple of years, but they said, because you've come to us. And, you know, that kind of stuff's encouraging, but even more encouraging is the fact that there are people out there praying for me for the sake of the ministry. And I'm certainly praying for them. And so, you know, I think that our listeners can certainly grow in their own faith by recognizing the importance of prayer. Here's Paul, through whom the Holy Spirit, as you mentioned earlier, is uh, is recording Scripture for us, and yet he makes sure, just like Jesus our Lord, he spends time in prayer for the people that God has put in his life. And 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 let me affirm, uh, dear people, tell your pastor that you love him. Send him a card. Give him a smile and a handshake at the end of church service because the pastoral ministry can be a very, very difficult and frustrating thing, even as the apostle uh, apostle uh, ministry was hard for Paul. And, and and you're right. Those are so super encouraging for us and give us that, that, that again, what he said, the mutual encouragement that goes there. And, and you're right. Probably the best thing you can do for your pastor and the pastor can do for his people is to remember them in prayer daily. I know I would visit my shut-ins and, and they would say, Pastor, you know, we pray for you every day. 
And then they would say, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> you know, and I would say, well, yeah. you actually answered your own question. Because trust me, <laughs> most people don't have time to pray for me. So it's really comforting for me and encouraging for me to know that you are praying for me daily. Uh, and and so, so this is such a rich text, Pastor Boo. It's just, Paul is just, it's just overflowing with the love that comes from the gospel, even though probably a lot of the people in Rome were not the easiest people to love. And maybe that's a good lesson for us all, that, that when we have people that are hard to love, and trust me, some of the people in Rome were hard to love, but uh, uh, pray for them then. Pray for them and pray that the Lord would give you the same kind of love and compassion and concern he has for these people. You know, I think that's such a universal sentiment from pastors that we've visited folks who are homebound or otherwise just, you know, advanced in years, seasoned folks, as I like to call them. And we visit someone who's seasoned and, you know, they're 90, 105, you know, somewhere in between. And they'll they'll ask, they'll say, Pastor, I just don't understand why the Lord still has me around. Or they'll say, Pastor, I just can't serve in the way that I used to, and it's distressing me. Or all I can do is pray as if that's a, a, a subpar gift. And yeah, that's the general encouragement pastors give. And that is that, listen, you have this opportunity, the time, the ability to pray. Pray for the church, pray for the world, and of course, hopefully pray for your pastor. And so what a gift it is. I think that we who are... Uh, those of us who are not quite, you know, seasoned yet, and maybe still uh, going out in the world and and hopping from here to there, you know, we should probably take their example and slow down and be more intentionally in prayer, just like Paul and just like our Lord. In verse fourteen, he says, "I am under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish." You know, there is a connection there to 1 Corinthians 9.16, where he wrote, For if I preach the gospel that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Very similar sentiment here from St. Paul in verse 14. He has to preach. I am under obligation. What is this obligation that he's facing? Is this just, you know, well, I, I have to do this because this is my job? Well, you know, Paul's not making his money from the gospel, even though he <laughs> has the right to. So his obligation here isn't that, you know, well, I have to make the bills or I have to keep up my hours for my pension or for my health insurance. So where's his obligation coming from? Well, see, it's interesting. Then you read the very next verse and he says, so I'm eager to preach the gospel. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and yes. in our mind, that sounds like a contradiction, right? Well, because uh, an obligation is a requirement. It's something you have to do. It doesn't necessarily go along with the word eager. But but I think that's exactly the point that Paul is making. This, this business of him preaching the gospel, this isn't a choice he made. Uh, we, we've kind of emphasized that. I, again, remember, Apostle Paul was determined to put an end to Christianity. It was the, the 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 Lord who struck him blind, struck him down on his road to Damascus. So, so he understands full well that he doesn't have any choice in this. This is an obligation. You know, God knows what would happen to him if he refused to preach the gospel. And yet, mm -hmm. see, at the same time, he's eager. It's exciting because he personally knows what the gospel is about. 
that you could be a guy that was determined to hate God and destroy God, and God would still love you. What kind of incredible mm. God is that? Who could love someone who actually said, but isn't that what God said we're supposed to do, right? Love your enemies, not your buddies, not your friends. Well, of course you love them. But but so I think that's that's what's going on here. He he's he's pointing out that for those of us who have faith, this isn't a choice you made. You didn't decide to become a Christian. This is God who stepped into your life. In fact, this very moment, he's stepping into your life and saying, you are my man or woman or child or whoever you are. I'm calling you right now. There is no option here except for hell, you know. Right. Uh, and yet, when you understand that this is a call for love, a call to, to get your reward, a, a call to attend a great, fabulous banquet like you've never attended before in your lives. Well, yeah, I guess I am kind of eager for that, even though it is an obligation, even though it's not my choice. It's, it's an eager thing uh, to have the gospel. And boy, if I have the opportunity to preach the gospel, why wouldn't I want to tell people that this call is for them as well? You, you know what I'm saying, uh, Pastor oh, Boo? Yeah. If you were invited to this really, really great banquet that you knew was going to be the best food you've ever had in your life, and, and the guy who, who's running the banquet says, and by the way, if you have some friends, feel free to bring them along. Wouldn't you respond? <laughs> well, great. I know a whole bunch of people I'd like to have come with me. And, and that's what we're hearing from the Apostle Paul here in these words about obligation and eagerness to preach. Well, I think it's striking how you put that because this idea that you would be eager to fulfill an obligation, I think, is antithetical to the way people think today. You know, if you tell me that I have an obligation to do something, that I have to do something, well, don't tell me what to do or I, I'll just do the opposite oh. even. <laughs> I'm free. I can do what I want. And you're absolutely right. It's bringing us full circle. You know, Christians, as we talked about earlier, see even the law as an opportunity to serve neighbor and serve God. It certainly convicts us. It certainly reminds us of our need for salvation. But that third use, of course, is it instructs us in how we are to live. Well, St. Paul has this law put upon him, this obligation to proclaim the gospel, this obligation to uh, both Greeks and barbarians, to wise and fools, of course, to Jews and Gentiles. And he has this obligation— and so in perhaps modern American culture, then he should hate it, right? You have to, you're supposed to hate your job. You're supposed to, to hate uh, going to school if you're a kid. And yet, of course, we find people who love their jobs. We find people, kids who love going to school. And we see this too. You know, he has this obligation, but just like being required to go to a fantastic banquet, you know, it's something you can be eager for. It's something that you can rejoice in. And the reason he's able to rejoice in it is because of that call, that call from Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who gave him faith in Jesus, and now he's dedicated his life. And so we, too, have been called by Christ through our baptisms, through the Word incarnate, to put our faith, hope, and trust in Jesus. And yes, now we serve him. We could even describe ourselves as slaves to him, but we are servants who are eager to serve our master because he's so good and gracious, and the benefits are just absolutely beyond our understanding. And and I wonder if he's smiling, uh, Pastor Boo, when he says both to the wise and to the foolish, because he knows when he goes to Rome, there are going to be people that aren't going to be glad to see him. There are people right. in Rome that are opposed to him. And maybe that's the accusation. Yeah, that's why Paul hasn't shown up, because he knows that a lot of us don't like him. 
you know, sure. Uh, but but he's saying here, I, I, no, I'm, 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 I, no, I'm, I want to be there, and I'm going to be there, and, and you know what? Be wise, be foolish. I'm going to give you both the same gospel because I understand right. this whole thing is is all in the hand of a loving God, and so maybe right now you're an enemy of God that I'm talking to. Maybe even somebody that we're listening is listening to us at this point might be an enemy of God. But but Apostle Paul would say that that's okay. God takes his enemies and makes them into his most faithful servants all the time. In fact, that's the whole program. He seldom takes the really really good people, although he would certainly preach the gospel <laughs> of them as well. But even the fools, even the fools, yeah, God has a way of of preaching that good news and turning them around and, and making them, as he did with the Apostle Paul, uh, some of his most faithful servants. Uh, so that's not a problem for God. Uh, it's just a matter of us realizing that we need that good news and that forgiveness. And you know what? His Holy Spirit will convict us of sin, right? Isn't that what the Spirit does? He does that too. Uh, so I, I think that's the really comforting thing here. It's all, and that's what makes him eager, see, because he knows it's going to bear fruit. That's what he said earlier, right? I'm going to reap some harvest. I know that for sure because it's not dependent upon how well I preach it. It depends upon the gospel I am preaching. That's right. It is Christ's power behind that gospel that calls all of us who really, let's be honest, you know, to be wise of this world is to consider God's ways foolish. And, you know, the we, we have this idea that, you know, when we look to Christ, we have to sometimes set aside even what we think is wisdom, whatever we think is is wise to the eyes of the world, because God puts to shame the wise of this world. And I love how you ended that because that is our end. We're coming to the end of the program today, and I've been very grateful for you to be my guest. And that is that, yes, we are called by God and the by the power of the word, and the word has power because of Christ. So, brother, thank you so much for being on the show today. I look forward to having you on again. I look forward to listening to you on Wrestling with the Basics, which is on Saturdays at 9 a.m., or you can catch it online at KFUO. Thank you, Pastor Lakomsky. Thank you, Pastor Boo. (laughs) I hope to see you uh, or hear you uh, soon. Dear Saints Loved by God, thank you, too, for tuning in to Thy Strong Word. However you're listening, whether it's over the air, through online, or as a podcast— If you'd like to reach out to me, email me directly at pastorboo at gmail.com. Until tomorrow, God's peace to you until God gathers us together again.